Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and the Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today, I am joined with Wiley Robinson, founder and CEO of Rumple. Wiley, thank you for joining the show again. Thanks, Roy. Nice to be here. So I was going through the archives. You were episode number one, two, three, uh, three and a half years ago, basically, December of 2015. And this was my first episode after acquiring the podcast. So I'm really excited to have you back on the show today. Yeah, that's crazy. Feels like yesterday. <laughs> it does, I'm sure. You know, in that time, you've now run a total of four successful Kickstarter campaigns. You've raised over a million dollars in capital just from the Kickstarter community. You've now got, you know, as we were talking offline, you know, 22 full time people at your offices in Portland, Oregon. So we're really excited to hear about what you've been up to since then and all these lessons that you've learned since running your first crowdfunding campaign back in January of 2014. Yeah, it's, it's been an insane, uh, I guess, five years now. And a lot has changed. I think that the company's developed a lot. I think I've personally developed quite a bit. It's really just a whole different beast than when we launched that first campaign. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So let's, let's start by giving our listeners a little bit more background. Like, tell us, you know, where you've where this whole thing started again and you know how after these four Kickstarter campaigns came to be and what you've been doing since we've last talked. Okay. Well, from the beginning, um, the sort of the first campaign we did was for our marquee kind of signature product, the original Puffy Blanket. It is a blanket that's made out of the materials you typically find in a premium sleeping bag or puffy jacket. Since that campaign, we, we actually did uh, three others. So we did one, which was called the Super Fleece Blanket, which was kind of a fuzzy fleece on one side and then a, uh, and then a sort of a denser weave on the top with DWR coating and everything. And that product was really meant to emulate kind of your favorite cozy hoodie. The third campaign was actually a, a battery-powered electric blanket that we did with two other crowdfunding companies, Rabian and Power Practical. That was a, that was a pretty interesting one. And then our fourth was uh, called the Puffy Poncho, which is essentially an insulated poncho. And that was in 2017. So what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered, you know, as you've been designing these products, scaling your company, growing, you know, having shifts in management, you know, what's, what's been going on there? Uh, a lot of challenges. I mean, well, for one, since, since we last spoke, I had a co-founder and I no longer work together with that person. 
you know, we, we sort of had a differing opinion about how to grow the company and, um, and it, it, uh, the, the partnership while we're still friends, it, it didn't work out the way that we thought it was going to, which I think is a very common thing, but, you know, we got through it and, um, you know, we're both, I think in a better place as a result. So that was a huge challenge that we went through. Uh, additionally, you know, I would say that the, the biggest one lately has just been headcount scaling. At the at the end of 2017, we had 10 employees, and by the end of 2018, we had 21. So doubling in size again in 2018. That was really challenging. You know, we've introduced an HR capacity to the company to just deal with you know communication and just very you know standard sort of office politics and stuff like that. So that's been a really you know kind of out of nowhere, out of left field challenge that I wasn't expecting. There's all sorts. I could, I, I could go forever about the challenges. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the challenges during these four crowdfunding campaigns. Yep. What, um, in terms of like the preparation for these campaigns, and given that you've done four successful campaigns, we obviously love doing interviews with people that have done it and learned what to do and what not to do. So let's go into a little bit of you know preparation based on your experience there. How has your preparation changed over the years from launching all these projects? Um, I think it probably just gets a little tighter. You know, it, it's not like we're we're solving any problem differently. I mean, we're we're doing more or less all the same stuff. We just sort of know what the formula is a little bit. We kind of have all the boxes checked in advance of launch. the The whole thing is just a little tighter. You know, all of our communication channels have the right assets ready to promote. You know, we sort of primed our our media sources and. PR outreach opportunities. The product, of course, is you know more dialed in advance now than it was in the early ones. In our first two campaigns, really our first three campaigns, the product wasn't totally complete. Uh, we just had a prototype in hand, and yeah, I would call it you know 80-90% there. And then there was kind of like 10% development left to go. But for the fourth one, it was like this thing's done, ready to go, ready to ship. And we were able to to fulfill it much faster. So everything just tightens up a little bit, I would say. Nice. So let's talk about the the campaign video creation. How has that process changed and you know what or how have you guys gone about deciding what to include in the videos and what not to include now that you've kind of refined that process down? The video process for us has actually been almost entirely unchanged. We've always used, you know, one one camera, one cameraman. The first video was edited by someone else, but the the subsequent three I edited so just sort of learned that skill. You know, we honestly don't put a ton of energy or money into the video production. I would say that in total, we're probably spending less than five grand on the video. And I sort of do all the editing and all that stuff myself. So that really hasn't changed a whole lot. You know, there's definitely videos I've seen on Kickstarter that are just beautiful. And, and I'm sure take a lot of energy from a lot of people, which is cool, which is great. We just, you know, we haven't allocated that much time to the videos to be totally transparent. Interesting. Well, your product photography is pretty amazing. How do you guys go about getting all those amazing shots? Uh, that's that's usually the videographer just kind of whips out a still camera and shoots a few sort of you know behind the scenes. Uh, on the last one, we had one videographer holding a, a, a motion camera and one still photographer, so there was kind of two cameras firing. But then when we you know kind of go to market with the products and they're actually in the wild, we we outsource a lot of photography. So we do have an in-house photographer at Rumpel, but we get a lot of our content from just the community we've created around the product and the brand. 
Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought up the crowdfunding or your community. And I know a lot of them got their first exposure to you guys through these multiple crowdfunding campaigns that you guys have grown. How have you gone about continuing to empower your community to build the business and the brand around them? I would say that the the community empowerment uh, is almost entirely done digitally. We do events periodically. We have a nice kind of space behind our office here in Portland where we have done a few events. But generally speaking, I mean, those are very, very small relative to the size of the audience we've built online. So it's, it's pretty much all done digitally. Uh, Instagram is definitely our, our sort of most popular platform. Facebook would probably be a second to that. But yeah, it's, it's really just kind of staying consistent. You know, over the last five years, you know, we always throw a post or two up a day. We respond to all the direct messages. Uh, we respond to comments. It's, it's really just been a, a very organic growth in that way. It's not like we, you know, had this big crazy campaign where we just tried to acquire new new viewers and new audience in a very short period of time. It's just been sort of nice slow steady growth. So as a brand and, you know, as a as a company, you guys have always strived to put the customer first. Tell me a little bit about your experience with your crowdfunding backers and all of the feedback that you've gotten before and after these campaigns and how you've managed all of that feedback you know, promoting the product and also getting ready for the product ready for manufacturing? Usually the feedback is is very direct on Kickstarter, which is great. You know, it's great for, for feedback about how people are perceiving the brand, how people are perceiving the product. You know, we have had... I would, I would view our electric blanket campaign as, as unsuccessful, actually. You know, we funded... I think we raised 300 grand or something like that, which is great. But we delivered the product late... The product didn't turn out as we had promised. And, you know, of course, the backers were very vocal about that. And we just did all we could to make it right. You know, we, we gave them a, sort of a lot of free stuff, uh, you know, a lot of discounts to inline product that we had on our site. Really just tried to be as apologetic and, and open with them about the challenges we faced as possible. Um, that was a really tough one. That was like a big customer service exercise for me specifically, even though we had a dedicated customer service person on the team at that time. I thought it was really important that I kind of jump in there and, and um, speak directly to the backers and you know tell them the challenges that we were going through. So feedback for for the different campaigns has been really varied. You know, we've had some campaigns that have gone great and delivered on time or ahead of schedule, and, and feedback has been really good. And those are easy ones. You know, we don't have to deal with too much customer service there. But the ones that don't go as well, you know, you really need to like allocate time to make it right with all your backers. So uh, we've had both ends of the spectrum for sure. Absolutely. So any tips there for how crowdfunding creators can avoid ending up in a position where potentially they're unable to fulfill rewards or extensive delays in delivering product? I think for us, the biggest challenge came just because we didn't have the product totally, totally figured out by the time we closed the campaign. And that's, you know, candidly, that's an irresponsible way to do a Kickstarter campaign or a crowdfunding campaign rather. You know, if you if you're ninety percent there and you have like maybe one or two more tweaks to do on the product, just just do those tweaks. Don't launch the campaign until you're done doing those. Even if you think it's going to be a big deal if you delay a month or two, it's a much bigger deal if you deliver a product that you don't think is satisfactory. Interesting. So, what tips would you have for a company about to move into the let's say assembly and manufacturing phase of product development? Well, definitely make sure that that your factory and whoever's producing your goods can do it at scale. Definitely make sure that their timeline estimates are accurate. Make sure that your final, you know, top of production sample is perfect. 
and meets all of the needs that you've promised. Really just, you know, make sure it's, it's really tight and don't leave any room for error and have all that really buttoned up before you hit go on your campaign. Right on. So what's been the biggest thing that you've learned throughout this whole process of launching multiple products on Kickstarter now? The biggest thing I've learned is, I mean, it, it's, it's really the, the same thing that I've felt the whole time about crowdfunding is just that it's such an awesome platform to test your ideas, get direct feedback, you know, really kind of like just test yourself too and, and see if you kind of have what it takes to make this product or this offering really successful. You know, a lot of people always focus on raising the money and getting money in advance. And that's, that's really not the biggest advantage of crowdfunding. I think the biggest advantage is the direct communication with hundreds of people that are eager to use your product. So I wouldn't say that anything has changed really in terms of my perception of what crowdfunding is good for. And, and it just sort of gets reinforced every time we do it. Nice. So you guys are now selling globally. I was checking out your website and looking at all these places. You're even selling in my home state of Maine. I couldn't believe it, um, which is great. How's that growth been, again, from going from you know maybe a single SKU on Kickstarter as a first launch to now multiple SKUs and multiple you know dozens of team members? It's been really challenging. I mean, it's sort of a classic growth story, I guess. All the growth challenges that most companies face. Definitely the biggest one... I would say as it relates to companies that are crowdfunding native or digitally native is now that we're participating in a lot of wholesale business, we just really need to continually try to get onto the right cadence and calendar. And we're still working through that, you know, like there's still fire drills, you know, before selling season for, for the next season, you know, we're always kind of like barely making it um, in time, you know, making our catalogs in time because you have to produce stuff much, much further in advance when you're selling into wholesale. And we just didn't have that experience because we started on Kickstarter. It's like you get the money first and then you produce. So now it's kind of like we need to get the orders in. We need to get commitments from our retailers. We need to make sure that all the, the you know, every product is totally dialed before we show it to them. So we're kind of, we're kind of working towards about a 12 month calendar right now. So we're, I mean, we just kicked off uh, fall 20 season. So we're developing that right now and, and we should be showing it to our retailers in a couple of months here. Awesome. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited to see what you guys are going to be doing next. I've got to ask, you know, considering you guys have launched a campaign usually every other year. So are we going to see another Rumpel Kickstarter campaign this year? That I don't know. There's definitely some products we've talked about. And I, I actually mean that. I don't know. I'm not trying to uh, be elusive or anything. <laughs> we have a couple products that we think would be good fits for Kickstarter. It's really right now for us about what the in-house capability is. You know, everybody, even though we're a lot more people now, we're 22 people, it's it's still everybody's working super hard. It's very difficult to carve out time to allocate resource to, to something like a Kickstarter campaign with all the stuff that everybody's doing. So it's really going to come down to if we think that Kickstarter or, or crowdfunding is the best platform for launching products, you know, we are fortunate in that we have some really good partners at retail that have told us that they're willing to launch product through their channel. And you know that could be something that we try too. We've never really done that. So uh, I don't know. I, I really don't know if we're going to use Kickstarter or some of our retail partners that we're working with now. Interesting. Well, well, we'll certainly be keeping an eye out of all things Rumple in the coming year. All right, Wiley, you made it to the end. So you know what that means. It's the uh, launch round. You ready to go? <laughs> sure. Let's do it. 
<laughs> so what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't like I was thinking I wanted to be an entrepreneur, really. I, I wanted to build this product. And I made the product and it did well and you know received positive feedback. And it sort of forced me into being an entrepreneur, to, to be totally honest. Um, I didn't have aspirations of of being an entrepreneur. <laughs> I had aspirations of making this one product and seeing if other people liked it. So it definitely, you know, it kind of was cart before the horse a little bit there. Nice. So if you could go on any outdoor adventure with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Oh, man. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one saying this, but got to be Yvonne Chouinard. Yeah. Just, just uh, what a legend, you know? I think that, I think that he's... Well, for one, he's maintained, you know, ownership in full of Patagonia, which is incredible, you know, without needing to, to draw on significant investors and sort of sell his, his stake in the company that he created. I think he's really maintained a really high integrity throughout the entire process. You know, the, the, the brand itself is really an advocate for the things that he believes in. And that's really hard to maintain as you scale and, and over time. So. I mean, just huge respect for what he's done. So I, I would have to say Yvonne Chouinard. Nice. What would be your first question for him? How did you, how did you accept really slow growth in the early years? Because I, you know, having yeah. sort of studied that, that business quite a bit, they didn't really hit, you know, a serious traction point until six, seven years in. So for the first couple of years, you know, six, seven years, it's kind of like, why, why did you keep going <laughs> if it wasn't really biting? And, and how did you sort of deal with that financially? How did you pay your employees? How did you continue making product? And at what point did you either decide or acknowledge that you, know, you, you needed to scale, I think? Yeah. So what's, uh, what's, what's your favorite national park? Probably Yosemite. I mean, I've just spent the most time there. It's... it's you know, for sure the most epic. I mean, there's a lot of people there these days. So that's, that's challenging, of course. But um, if you kind of get out, you know, out of the valley, it's, it's great. And yeah, it, it was always the closest to me when I was growing up. I grew up in San Francisco. So yeah, we'd get to Yosemite at least a couple times a year. Nice. So outside of Yvonne's book, uh, Let My People Go Surfing, what other book would you recommend to our listeners? I always recommend this one, but it's Tim Brown's book, Change by Design. It's, uh, he's, he's one of the principles of IDEO. It's really just a book about design thinking and about how asking the right questions really leads to new and better solutions and just about the design process and, and design thinking in general. So that's like a must read, I would say, for, for anybody, entrepreneur or not. Absolutely. Solid read. All right. Last question, Wiley. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? Well, to be totally honest, we haven't, we haven't done a campaign since 2017. And I know how dynamic and agile that network is. So I'm less plugged into it probably than I was even a year ago. I'm sure it's changed quite a bit since then. But I would say that the future, you know, we're seeing equity deals happen right now, which is really interesting. We talked about that, you know, briefly before we started recording here, but equity deals into companies where people can actually crowdfund equity, uh, equity money. That's really interesting. I think that uh, you know. I think that there's probably a lot more growth that that platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, etc., can can do. Um, yeah, I think it's it's going to keep growing. I think that that it's all a big community, and that's just such a great place to get feedback and resource and 
test your product, test your ideas. Uh, yeah, I, I would just say it's going to keep getting bigger. <laughs> That's the hope, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Awesome. Well, Wiley, this has been awesome. This is your opportunity to give our audience your pitch, tell people what you're all about, where people should go, and why they should check you out. Okay. Um, Rumpel is a company that takes active performance materials that you typically find in outdoor gear and activewear and applies them to an everyday blanket. Um, you can buy them at rumpel.com or at a variety of national retailers such as REI, LL Bean, Orvis, Shields, and a handful of other specialties kind of all over the country. Awesome. Wiley, this has been awesome. Audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for the notes, the transcript, links to rumple.com and everything else we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and BackerKit. Wiley, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.